Well, good morning, friends. Uh, if I haven't gotten to meet, I know all of you in person. If I haven't gotten to meet any of you with us online, my name is Pastor Zach. I'm honored to serve as one of the pastors here at Covenant Methodist Church. Uh, before we get into this morning's scripture reading, I just wanted to update because a number of you knew that this past week, uh, I was raising money for an organization called Amira that provides aftercare uh, for victims who have been freed from human trafficking. Um, and so two praise reports. Uh, the first is that I am alive and my legs work after pulling a 175-pound sled backwards for 12 miles. Uh, woo! <laughs> but the second praise report is vastly more important. Uh, and that is that our goal, uh, my personal goal for Move for Amira this year was to raise $5,000, and God brought in $5,151, and so a total of just over $30,000 was raised uh, for rescued victims of human trafficking through Move for Amira this year, so glory be to God. This morning's scripture comes to us from the book of Psalms. We're going to read chapter 23, so I invite you to turn there in your Bible, or uh, if you have this memorized, you can just turn there in your mind. Psalm 23, this is the word of the Lord for us this morning. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Will you pray with me? Great God. You have a word to speak to us if we would but listen. And so I pray that uh, right now you would move me aside and speak straight to each and every heart who is willing and open and humble to hear what you have to say. Be glorified in this place. Jesus, it's in your name that we are gathered. Amen. Well, about a week and a half ago, uh, my wife stumbled upon some Facebook gold. You know what I'm talking about when you see some Facebook gold? Uh, let me read you this story. Before I, I read it, I need to preface it by saying that the person who is posting this, although it is a Facebook friend of my wife, Kelsey, she wanted me to make very clear that this is not an actual friend. It's a Facebook friend from the distant past. Okay, so... Uh, she didn't want to be associated, and you'll see why. Character A makes this post, um, 
and says, it's a picture of her and her dog, and she says, in the mood to save a dog's life, take mine. She just killed all of my chickens except for two. I will deliver her to you. She doesn't chase cattle or horses. She's house trained and great with kids. Real talk, though, she will go back to the pound in the morning. She has lost her welcome in this home. Enter character B, character A's mother, makes a comment on this post and says, she'll be devastated. Character A says, mom, I can take her to your house so she doesn't have to be so sad. I can tolerate a lot of things, but killing my chickens isn't part of that. Character B says, well, then pen your chickens. At this point, I'm just grabbing popcorn. Like, all right. Uh, character A says, they have been penned. And if you want to be rude about it, you can leave my Facebook again, Mom. More popcorn for me. Um, <laughs> the mom says, wow. Enter character C. Best I can tell, character C uh, from my creeper position, tro my trolling position. Character C is a friend of both character A and character B. Character C says, I hate it when dogs kill my chickens. It makes me so sad. I feel your pain, and you're way nicer than I would have been. Character B, the mom of character A, says, While I do not condone dogs killing other animals, this dog came from the pound and was depressed. She's a whole new dog since living with my daughter. Dogs have feelings. Chickens don't. <laughs> it's not funny yet. It's about to get really funny. Okay. Character C uh, says, I'm sorry, Character B. I respect you greatly, but I disagree with you and then posts a selfie of her on her bed with <laughs> her chicken. More popcorn. <laughs> character B says, look, I like my chickens too, but they don't compare with a dog. And character C puts the final nail in the coffin and says, again, I disagree. My chickens are my best friends. <laughs> More so than my dogs. <laughs> I can barely read this next part. <laughs> we all have our opinions, and I respect yours. But until you have bonded with a chicken... You just wouldn't understand. <laughs> Facebook gold, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> now, on whichever side of the chickens versus dogs debate you land, what you see here is the very first command that God gave the human race at play. The very first command God gave the first members of humankind was found in Genesis chapter 1, and he said to fill the earth and subdue it, to take dominion over the fish, 
the birds and the land animals. Now, I don't want to offend any vegans out there, but the way that I take dominion and live out this command that God has placed on my life is to very regularly consume very large quantities of meat. Yes, thank you for the claps. Amen. Uh, and hallelujah. But uh, many of you, the way that you live out this command is by loving and caring for your beloved pets. Um, a well-loved and well-cared-for animal loves its master. You can all picture this, whether you have it with your own pet in your own house or you've seen it on TV, you know the scene where the master leaves home, the dog is incredibly sad, but then upon the master's return, the well-loved, well-fed, well-cared-for dog is in pure ecstasy just to be near its beloved master. You know what I mean? Just the presence of its master is the most wonderful thing this well-loved dog can imagine. On the flip side, you take a dog who's been owned by a cruel and abusive master, yelled at, beaten, kicked, malnourished. This dog runs away from home, is now homeless. Its fur is ragged. You can see its ribcage it can't get enough food to eat. And that dog is either skittish or overly aggressive towards all other humans, regardless of their intentions, because of the way that its former master treated it. And this is another principle of life, and it's the driving principle behind today's sermon. In his book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, W. Philip Keller said this, It is the master of your life that makes the difference in your destiny. I'll say it again so you can process it. It is the master of your life that makes the difference in your destiny. In the 23rd Psalm, David opens his poem by boldly and proudly declaring to whomever will listen, the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's so excited to tell the world that he belongs to the flock of the Lord. And with good reason. He says, I shall not want. And there are two ways that we can read this. Both are important. The first is the most common way that I think we read this verse. David is proclaiming his confidence in his shepherd's care for him and saying, all my needs will be supplied. I know that the Lord is looking out for me. The second way that we can read this, I would argue, is even more important. It reads like this. Because the Lord is my shepherd... I shall not desire anything other than the Lord himself. You catch that distinction? Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not desire for anything other than God himself. David is so confident that all of his earthly needs will be completely supplied by the Lord, his good shepherd, that he is freed from having to desire anything earthly. He knows if it's earthly and he needs it, the Lord will supply it. And so he's able to give his entire 
heart to devote his entire desire to God himself. Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when you're confident in the care of your shepherd, you are free to give him all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I think most of the time when we read this psalm, we get a picture in our mind that's not quite accurate, not quite what David was trying to describe. You see, David was actually a career shepherd. Before he became king, he was a career shepherd in the nation of Israel around 1000 BC. And so to get an idea of what lens David is describing this through, we need to look at what it was like to be a shepherd in Israel around 1000 BC. Let's continue to read and look through this lens. Verse 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I think most of us, when we hear that verse, what we picture is a lush green field. Waist-high alfalfa grass, vibrantly bright, eye-popping green. Which, if you're a sheep, looks very delicious. Uh, So I'm told. (laughs) A buffet of everything you could want, a soft place to lie down, and a nice trickling stream. But that's not actually the case. Pasture land in Israel looks very different than what we would imagine. And when David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, this is actually what he's talking about. Okay, you can leave this up for a minute, thanks. This is actual footage of pasture land in Israel. Uh, these are shepherds, Israeli shepherds, and their sheep and goats. And this rocky, brown, dry-looking terrain is the green pastures of Psalm 23. This is where David would have grazed his sheep. If we interpret it like we initially thought, life in the care of the Lord as shepherd might sound like having a rich abundance of earthly treasures, having lots of money, plenty of food, whatever you want. You can buy anything you wish. But what's actually coming through in Psalm 23 is that if we trust God as we walk through the dry desert of life, as we walk through the uncertainty, the dangerous terrain, the rockiness of life, the loss of a job because of COVID 2020 economy crash, The loss of a loved one that makes you think, I don't have hope that I can ever experience joy again because the weight of my grief is so heavy, I can hardly bear it. Or the sacrifice that I've had to make to obey where God said go and I went and I laid aside everything that I wanted for my own life in obedience to the Lord 
the missionary who says, I'm going to forego a paycheck and God's going to supply every need. When you walk through that terrain, that pasture, the promise here is that God will supply us with the green grass and the quiet water of sustenance that fills us abundantly and satisfies our souls. Through the first three verses of Psalm 23, there's two things I want us to notice. The first is that David is using a very specific kind of language. Let's see if you can pick it up. He starts off and says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Do you hear that? He makes, he leads, he restores, he leads. This is the language of someone who is submitted to the authority and leadership of the good shepherd. He doesn't say, I lay down in green pastures near the Lord. I follow God on a path of righteousness. He makes, he leads. A person's master determines their destiny. The second thing we need to notice is that throughout the first three verses, David is, is talking about God. He's telling anyone who will listen, the Lord is my shepherd, and he's telling them all the ways that God has taken care of him and all the confidence that he has in the Lord. But it's almost as if merely three verses in, David can't contain any longer his love and thankfulness to the Lord, and he turns into a much more intimate language, and he begins to say, you instead of he. In verse 4, he says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And we get this picture of this intimate conversation between David and his master, his shepherd. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, a shepherd's rod and a shepherd's staff are actually two different things. The rod is a short stick with a, a, like a club head on top, and it was a rod used for correction and protection. And a shepherd was very skillful at throwing this rod, incredible accuracy at far distances, and he would use it to protect the sheep. When a predator came, a wolf, David says, he fought off and killed wolves, lions, and bears. A shepherd would throw this and hit the predator directly between the eyes, right on the head to either kill, stun, or scare off and protect his sheep. But it has a second use. Correction. And sheep, they tend to wander off. They're, they're kind of useless. Uh, they're obstinate. And when a sheep wanders off the path, the shepherd would throw his rod and strike the sheep and the sheep, it might hurt the sheep just enough to remind him, oh, <laughs> I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm walking off the path. And it was enough to bring the sheep back in with the flock. The staff, on the other hand, is the shepherd's staff that we all picture. It's, it's got a, a, like a long walking stick with a crook on the top. And this staff was used for guidance 
and rescue. And the shepherd, while walking along, if the sheep started to veer off the wrong way, the shepherd would give it a little nudge on the backside with the butt of his staff and guide him back on the path this way or this way. Or uh, even to let the sheep know, hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. Comfort. And it's a staff of rescue as well. If a sheep fell off on this craggy terrain that we saw in Israel, it fell down the hillside, fell into a ravine, a place that it couldn't get up. Sheep have very weak legs and they're very top heavy. Sometimes a sheep, if they walk into a puddle and their wool absorbs too much water, they just fall over because they're so top heavy and they can't do anything to get right side up on their own. They'll just lay there until they die, except for the shepherd comes with his staff, reaches down and hooks the sheep under his body and lifts it to safety. And this shepherd's rod and shepherd's staff for us, this is the process of sanctification. Of God fighting for our souls, protecting us from the forces of Satan. And this is the guidance and wisdom, the daily presence of the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, David says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. I already mentioned that sheep have a great many predators that they need to be afraid of. Wolves, lions, bears. Sheep, by the way, have no defense mechanism, no attack mechanism. The only thing they can destroy is grass. They're completely dependent upon the protection of the shepherd. But we're going to spend more time talking about the line, you anoint my head with oil. Now, why would a sheep need its head anointed with oil? Well, a flock of sheep is very vulnerable to oppression uh, and pestilence from parasites and flies, and we'll focus in on one specific type of fly that can come in and ruin a flock of sheep. It's called the nasal fly. Just the word, the, the phrase nasal fly makes me get the heebie-jeebies. A nasal fly would come into a flock of sheep, fly up into the nostril of a sheep, and lay its eggs inside of a sheep's nose. And those eggs would hatch little larvae. The larva will crawl up into the skull cavity of a sheep and begin to fester and inflame the head of a sheep. And a sheep is driven to near insanity by this misery and pain that's constant. And a sheep will do anything to get rid of it. It's so desperate that a sheep will go up to a stone or a tree, and bang its head constantly, trying to rid itself of this pain and this suffering and this inflammation in its head, and it will bang its head against a rock until it dies. There's nothing it can do to protect itself and cleanse itself from the nasal fly. But the loving shepherd carefully and intentionally gathers each sheep individually and covers it. Sometimes just the head is necessary, sometimes the whole body, depending on what kind of 
flies and parasites are around, covers it with a soothing, cleansing ointment of oil. You anoint my head with oil, and this oil will cleanse the sheep and fend off the pestilence and the persecution for us. How many daily annoyances, pestilences, persecutions, pains do we experience that could be soothed and cleansed by the anointing balm of the Holy Spirit? All throughout the Bible, we have this analogy of sheep and a shepherd. And Jesus, in John chapter 10, makes it perfectly clear for anyone who's still wondering that he is the shepherd in the analogy and we are the sheep. That Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Here's the thing about sheep. Sheep are completely helpless. If you haven't figured it out yet, sheep can do nothing for themselves. They have no sense of direction. In, in, the, in the wilderness of Israel, they cannot find their next meal. It's only the knowledge and the guidance of the shepherd that leads them to the green pastures. The sheep cannot do anything to fight off the predator that wants to slay them and kill them. Only the shepherd's presence and protection can take care of the sheep. And Jesus says that we are the sheep. Now, if you're experiencing any bit of anger at being called a worthless sheep, or a helpless sheep, I should say, then I invite you to just take some time with the Lord over that and see if you have any kind of pride that you need to put aside. Because Scripture is abundantly clear that apart from God, we can do nothing of any eternal consequence. But here's the thing. Animal sheep, whatever flock they're a member of, whoever their shepherd is, they're just stuck with it. That's that. But we have a choice to make. How often do we go through life determined to be our own master? The captain of our own ship, making our own decisions. I'm going to get mine. And you know what? You might go through life that way and have a lot of earthly success. You might amass an abundance of earthly riches and earthly pleasures. All the possessions you want, all the food that you want, wherever you want to eat, whenever you want to eat, the home theater. Maybe you bought yourself some friends. you're left with a soul that is dry and desperate for restoration and desperately devoid of any certainty about life after death because a person's master determines their destiny and apart from Christ we can do nothing of eternal consequence. This summer, we've been going through a sermon series, the words of Jesus. He said, come to me, all you who are weary. He invites you to come, and he says, I will give you rest. Jesus invites us into 
his rest. But Jesus also said in John 15 that that to be his friend, we must do what he's commanded us. Following Jesus means taking up our cross. That means to die to ourselves, our own desires, our own goals, our own pleasures. We must put them to death in order to be obedient to Jesus. He invites us into his rest. But it's not a lush green buffet of grass. He lets us know that life will be hard. He says that we will experience persecution for his namesake if we're truly following him. But the rest for your soul is deep and rich and worth it. To wrap up the analogy of sheep, the only thing that can provide food, comfort, safety, direction for a sheep is the presence of the shepherd. Did you know this about sheep? A sheep cannot and will not lay down to rest unless the shepherd is present. A sheep cannot and will not rest and lay down unless the comforting presence of the shepherd is there. So to the Christian, I say, what better thing could you experience in life than to be constantly conscious of the nearness of the good shepherd, Jesus? In his book, The Practice of the Presence of God, Brother Lawrence talks about the idea that God is always near. So it's not about entering into God's presence. It's just about waking up and realizing that he's right there all along. He writes this about this practice, how to practice the presence of God. A little lifting up of the heart suffices. A little remembrance of God. An interior act of adoration, even though made on the march and with sword in hand. Even though made in the office. Typing up emails. These interior acts of adorations and remembrances of God are prayers which, short though they may be, are nevertheless very pleasing to God. And far from making a soldier lose his courage on the most dangerous occasions, rather bolsters it. Let him then think of God as much as possible so that he will gradually become accustomed to this little but holy exercise. No one will notice it, and nothing is easier than to repeat often during the day these little acts of interior adoration. Oh, Christian, what better thing could you experience every minute of your every day than to accept the invitation of Jesus to be in his presence and enter into his rest? finish up Psalm 23 in verse 6. David closes his poem with a summation of his confidence in his shepherd by saying this, surely, that means I believe 100%, 
goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It is the shepherd, the master of the sheep that determines its destiny. Good shepherd, good destiny. Bad shepherd, bad destiny. Brothers and sisters, we are the sheep. May we have such a commitment to submitting ourselves to Jesus, the good shepherd, the loving master, that we choose each and every day to give him our whole heart, our whole confidence, to draw near to his presence so that we can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of God forever. Let's pray. Lord God, give us such a confidence, such a humility to submit ourselves to you and accept your invitation to enter into an awareness of your presence and to enter into your rest that you extend so freely. Lord, we ask for the mercy that you would offer us daily reminders, hourly reminders, to offer you a little praise, a little interior adoration, a little thought of you and your nearness to us. Thank you for loving us, for caring for each one of the sheep. Because of that love, we are able to love you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray.